G'day, everybody. It's time for a grand final edition of the LJ and Redders podcast. The great man is here, journalist with the Wimmera Mail down there in Western Victoria, where Victoria is the place to be this Saturday. Uh, Lucas James Holmes, it's a Lucas James Holmes. It's a very, very good evening to you, sir. Um, I can't wait to pick your brain about some of the stuff that went on last weekend. Amazing, but again, welcome, my friend. Yeah, good evening, David. Uh, evening, ladies and gentlemen. Great to be back with you. And yes, plenty. A little bit of water's gone under the bridge um, since we last caught up. Things both on and off the field, and of course, with a brown low on Monday night as well, which uh, ruffled some feathers for some reasons that were a little bit un- unknown to some people there. But then, of course, we go back a week or two further, and we lost some outstanding people in our game as well. So, the greatest of whom, and I think the most important man in football, probably since Tom Wills, was Ronald Dale Barassi. All of us grew up with Ron Barassi being a pivotal figure in football, and for mine, as I was going up, Barassi was treated like a god, Lucas Holmes. And he, the things he did in football were quite remarkable. Yeah, and obviously being the age I am, I'm only 25 at the moment. So I missed, uh, of, of course, a large majority of what um, Barassi had done in the game. But having read some of the things in hindsight like after his passing, um, some, some of the things he's done from a coaching and playing capacity, um, I don't think we'll see many more people have the impact, particularly at that time in the, in anywhere from what this early to mid sixties onwards, David. And he actually changed the game. The not in 70 grand final Collingwood were belting uh, Carlton at halftime. And he said, go handball mad. And he actually changed football. Um, just a, amazing. But took on the Swans when the Swans are at their lowest ebb, got them going um, and just an amazing person an amazing football person, and we are all sorrier for it. We're all worse off for his loss. When you see people like Mick Malthouse and Kevin Sheedy paying real homage, and Sheedy meant everyone. Sheedy can be the, the, the biggest spinner in history. Malthouse, not so much. But um, those guys were really affected by it and paid enormous tribute. It, it was a little bit different than when EJ died. Um, I think Barassi's actually got EJ just because he had such a widespread effect. Um, and, yeah, look, uh, we wish his family well and um, a life well-lived and just an ornament to the game. Yeah, and, of course, too, alongside Barassi, it was a pretty, pretty bad 24 hours. Two Davidson killed a loss, one of their 1966 premiership plays in uh, Kevin Cowboy-Steel. So, Cowboy um, Neil. Cowboy Neil. Neil, sorry. Neil, sorry. Apologies there. That's um, that's so, rare. Right? That that's five hundred and fifty billion to one this year, ladies and gentlemen. So there you go. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, Cowboy Neil, excuse me. So one one of course of St Kilda's only Premiership side in nineteen sixty six. So um, yeah, and that all occurred in what twenty four to thirty six hours. So pretty good footballer, Kevin Neil. Cowboy Neil could play the game. Big power forward he was, and uh, you know, yeah, as you alluded to there. The 1966 grand final, Barry Breen kicking a scrubby point to get St Kilda home by the solitary point. It remains their only premiership. You wonder whether they've got a, a grand final in them in the next couple of years with Rossi still with Rossi back at the club. They certainly took some steps this year, Lucas James. They really did. They're, all of us thought their defence would be good. And that's what's surprising when the Giants got them in week one of the finals because the Giants blew them apart. Um yeah, look, interesting things, interesting times, and we wish the Neil and the Brassy families all the best. Now it's time to, to Lucas to star here. Lucas is one of 97,000 people at the Melbourne Cricket Ground last Friday night 
to watch what turned out to be an absolutely compelling preliminary final. These two have got form in playing compelling preliminary finals. Collingwood should probably have won the first one a couple of years ago. They came home at the death and it just left too much in the um, GWS too far ahead. But Lucas, talk, talk us through it, what it was like being there the whole night, what, who you thought won it and lost it. and uh, oh, Well, clearly Jordan Ngoi was the best man on the ground. But yeah, look, over to you. Time for me to shut up and time for you to talk. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, of course, 97,500 people, David. I, I don't think you're going to get much more of a of a part, of a a bipartisan crowd than that. 97, 93 would, at least would have been Collingwood supporters, David. But even then, the atmosphere was unreal. Um, from the issues that people have had in the last, uh, what, seven, seven or eight days, um, when it comes to tickets and things like that, you and I have said, and, and a lot of people have said, for a long period of time, that the preliminary final is more is in most cases the fans' grand final. David, there's there's, there's little to no corporate um, representation when it comes to this weekend. So it's more or less a grand final for the fans. Um, we saw that they come out they came out in their droves. The atmosphere is like nothing I've ever uh, I've ever witnessed at a football game, David. I've been to a couple of of those Queen's King's birthday games that have got into the early early 90s, David, um, and and the only couple of uh, fi- finals that I've been to in the past is would be one in the early in the early 2010s at, at, at Olympic Park, David. You'll remember when Lewis Jetta ran was there. the Lancaster. There was set, yeah. there, there, <laughs> Sydney and Collingwood, I was there today. So yeah. I shared that with you. That was about 68 or 69,000 uh, at Stadium of what's what's obviously called Stadium Australia. So, yes, that, that game yeah. I was I actually shared with you, although we didn't know each other, but I was there. Yeah. So there was that one there, and there was also the GWS and Sydney uh, semi, uh, might have been an elimination final in the, in the, mid, in the mid-2010s, David, that was moved to uh, Olympic Park as well um, to, to work with... Uh, capacity and things like that. So those are the couple of finals I've been to. Also been to a couple of big games like that. But yeah, the atmosphere um, was nothing I, like I'd ever witnessed before. Can I just ask a question coming, coming from yep. Macquarie? Have you ever been... Is there, is anything that you've seen at the Newcastle International Sports Centre, Knights, Jets, anything like this? Or just this was a completely different level? The, uh, the only thing that would come close to me, David... And, and when uh, I think I think it was still McDonald Jones at that stage, uh, under its commercial name, was the A League Grand Final a couple of years ago. Now, where the Jets went down to Melbourne Victory, that was that was packed. Um, at, at that stage, when A League clubs were able to actually host uh, their, their Grand Finals, um, little dig there, oh, but you but, may, you yeah, may yeah, or may not have seen oh, that. I, I, <laughs> no, no, I know the dig. I'm not a complete puppet. Yes, I understand the dig. Yeah, and I think that yeah. I think the digs. I think the digs. But but yeah, so apart from that's obviously at a capacity of what the ground holds, what mid twenties ish. You will take twenty three, twenty five. I think the sports center might hold 30, 28 to yeah. thirty. I mean, it it's a for those of you that don't know that don't come from Newcastle and haven't been to the stadium when it's rocking, the place is electric. And a couple of weeks ago, Newcastle beat Canberra thirty twenty eight. And there were people saying they have never, Andrew Johns is an example, saying they've never seen the stadium like it. I've been there when it's rocking. It's a phenomenal place to be. It really is. But I don't think if, 
I've been to, I saw Manchester United in Australia. I've seen finals. I've seen grand finals of Rugby League at Stadium Australia. I've been to a Carlton Hawthorne um, semi-final at the MCG, and the whole MCG with about 85,000. But I don't think I've seen too many like this. And, of course, you were there. Um, yeah. You, I but think the, you said just you were the, City End 50-metre line. Is that what you told me? Yeah, City End uh, on the 50-metre line, David, on the Shane Warne side of the ground. But just com- just to finish that comparison there, just the scale, of course, it's, what, four times, almost four times bigger than one of, the, when it, one of those crowds. So you get it from the... Sh- the sheer size, but and and due, due to the way the game was played, David, it was on the edge of the seat for the majority of that game. Collingwood started strong, kicked the first two goals, David, and I've spoken to people since. If it wasn't for Dan McStay, um, who will be missing this weekend, unfortunately, I don't think the Pies would have got gotten over the line. Just gave them a presence inside the Ford fifty, David. Um, was bring the ball to ground when when he didn't mark it from the second quarter onwards, but. Jelly West, I thought, played extremely well. They they limited I, Collingwood's I capacity. They, they they limited Collingwood's capacity to go quickly through the corridor, David. And we saw it particularly in that second quarter where the Giants were superb, li- limiting Collingwood's sweeping ball movement. We all know how they run in waves when they turn it over off half back and and then rolls through the corridor, which we've seen copious amounts of times during the year. I thought Jack Buckley. Um, at fullback was superb, David. But uh, but for me, Connor Iden was almost their player of the game. Yes, Grant, Tom, Tom Green um, played a role in the in the middle. But I thought Connor Iden, his run and his rebound off half back, he almost single single handedly won them the game. But for me, was by far uh, their best player on the evening. Look, Dugowie. If you look at the statistics and and the review of the statistics, was unbelievable. Um, and 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 pretty much topped the rankings all over the ground. It must have been fascinating to watch eight minutes of no score. That's just extraordinary. Um, I think that they did a good they they did enough on Toby Green. Let's let's be truthful here. Toby Green would have liked more touches than that. Um, Dugowie has had a lot of issues in his past, but he's now an elite footballer, and they will need him again. And I, it'll be fascinating to see who. Um, Josh Dunkley goes to this weekend, whether it's Dugowie or whether they put him on Dacos. I think that's going to be a pivotal matchup as to who Dunkley. You, you don't think that Dacos? What are you? Uh, your, no, your... I, th- I think I think I think it'll be Dugowie. Um, yep. From what I've been and, reading, and, and Dugowie's just just been in unbelievable form. Tom Green was pretty good as well, and Tom Green's going to play in a premiership. This I'll say this now: the Giants. Uh, a real surprise, Adam Kingsley's been named Coach of the Year today. But the Giants were superb. And you know what? The other one were too. It's just a great exhibition of football. Um, unfortunately, one team had to win. And, and in my case, it, it was it was GW. It, it wasn't GWS. It's just one of those games that 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 enthralling last few minutes was just extraordinary. And of course, Lucas was there, and must have been a nice old trip home on Sunday, my friend. Yeah, it wasn't Sorry, too Saturday bad. I was on it. Yeah. I know Sunday came back on Sunday. It wasn't too bad in the end. But when you look at it, David, you look at these two sides, they've actually got fairly similar paths, how they've done it the last couple of years. Um, Craig McRae was a, was a Richmond disciple, David. Took Collingwood from, from 17th the year before to a prelim last year, and they lost by a point. Um, Adam Kingsley, also a Richmond disciple. And in, his, and in his first year in the job, took the Giants to a one-point loss in a preliminary final as well. So the uh, the parallels are definitely there. They are. Lucas, obviously, 
you've seen this enormous turnaround at your football club. I'll come back to Maynard in a minute because the decision made a couple of weeks ago has got a huge influence over this weekend. What what has, I suppose it, you can't put it in one thing, but what has McRae done with his list to get them to go from 17th to minor premier in 24 months? It's a pretty extraordinary turnaround. I mean, we all saw last year how they won games close, okay? But what, you love your football and you have this amazing understanding. What has, has he done to get Collingwood to the top of the pile? And, and, David, when it comes to close games, I'll tackle that bit very quickly. There's a little bit of skill in it, David, preparing like they did on the weekend to try and bottle the ball um, up with repeat stoppages. But there's also a fair bit of luck um, in, in, in those one-score games, David. We see it with sports all over the world that teams have, have great um, seasons by winning those one score games. The Minnesota Vikings were a great example of that last year. I was about NFL. to I was what? about to say yeah. that they've done a Vikings <laughs> that they've done and you look at where the Vikings are now, they're 0 and three with a differential minus thirteen. So the yep. Vikings could easily be two and one. So now that's the perfect analogy is Collingwood and Minnesota. Yeah, so what was it, eleven one score games or something to that effect last year. But I think I think the way that he's revolutionized revolutionized their ball ball movement um a little bit. Um, under Nathan Buckley, yes, they, the, their defence was still probably their, their strength for their side, David. But they did, they didn't move the move the ball all that quickly. Um, but under Craig McRae, he has really got that surge rolling. They move the ball extremely quickly, but then they also have the ability to lock the ball into in tight situations, um, David, which which we've seen. And and under Nathan Buckley and, and previous regimes for the for the for the most part, they've really had that one key forward that they've had to rely on uh, to kick goals, David, for most of that, it was Travis Clough. But they really haven't had that big key forward um, that, that, that's had to shoulder all the press for the most period of time. David, I've been speaking at length by, about Brody Myacek for years. He's a he's a workhorse. He's he's not really... A, you wouldn't classify him as a, as a key forward, Um as it were, but he get, does the job, gets the ball, when it's on the ground and works well beneath beneath his knees. But now you've got all these sort of small to medium type forwards around. Jamie Elliott's sort of a hybrid two plays uh, taller than he is. Bobby Hill's been one of the better signings of the season. Nice. David played consistent, yep. played consistent football and adds that little bit of an edge. But then you've got the depth as well there. You've got players that will be starting in other clubs like Finn McCrane and people like that. McCrane mightn't be at the football club next year. We we don't know, but the depth is there too. And they haven't really, um, and there's a little bit of luck in this as well, they haven't really been stung by too many long-term injuries too in the last couple of years. No big uh, ACLs or anything like that to that extent. Although they've lost Taylor Adams and Daniel McStay this weekend, which is going to hurt. Yeah, um, I do think the influence of Brad... Uh, Picking up a Brownlow medalist to play with your club has been pretty important. And the fact that he came second in Collingwood's Brownlow medal votes is an indication that Mitchell still gets noticed by people. He's just that he, he does a he does a job for you every week. 107 uh, points on the AFL um, stats list here with 27 touches. So, you know, he's still going along quite nicely. Josh Kelly is a superb footballer. He is just a sensational footballer. And he had a day out. Just an amazing game of football. Congratulations to Collingwood. The Giants hopefully haven't done a Sydney Swans and gone on a three-day bender and had caused shoulder reconstructions, which I heard a bit about tonight, which is actually quite tragic. Uh, you would imagine that you would imagine that there'd be some 
questions, some serious questions being asked at the SCG. And I mean that sincerely. They should be because that's just not good enough. On to Saturday's preliminary final, I got a text from a very excited mother of mine. David, David, Carlton's leading by 31 points in the first quarter. I said, because I was at a, what we were working in a wedding at Waratah Golf Club, Louis, and at Club Macquarie. And um, well, we were, I was driving a golf cart. The wife was taking photos. <laughs> and I just, I turned on to the scores and I've gone, geez, Carlton's winning. And then all, if you look at it, it was 31 to one or something along those lines. And then, then it's gone 78 to 32. Um, that's probably an indication. Brisbane just too good. And I do think they present a lot of matchup issues for, for, for Carlton, but Brisbane were in all sorts and then found a way back in and they, they did it just, they didn't, the most important thing is, Lucas, just for once, they didn't panic. They didn't panic, David, and it wasn't a flashy game either. And, and, and the way that Brisbane have performed in prelim finals in the past, David, it would have caused for quite a bit of concern up there, particularly being a home game. And you're right, um, Brisbane conceded the first five goals. They've got one uh, late in the first term from Eric Hipwood, but as, as you correctly said there, they didn't panic. They worked their game uh, worked their way back into the game slowly, David, but then there they sort of exploded throughout. Um, they were plus 14, David, in clearances, uh, plus, tw- uh, plus eight, excuse me, in hitouts. And the contested and uncontested ball were, were close wins for them, but they just found a way, David, which in, in big finals in recent years is something you c- we couldn't say about a Brisbane side, to be honest. No, um, Josh Dungler, we spoke about him a little while ago, kept Patrick Cripps to 13 touches. Sam Walsh got 33. I wonder if Lockie Neal have got th- a Brownlow, three Brownlow votes with 23 touches, but there's another subtle league. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, this is a very, very good Brisbane side. Carlton were not disgraced by any means. And Lucas, you would hope that Carlton and GWS can have a really big off-season and come back hard and say, right, our target's now, that their target has to be top four. And you, with an ageing list, you wonder where Port Adelaide uh, are going to be next year. Um Melbourne, I think, will be there and thereabouts. But GW, Car- Carlton cannot rest on the laurels, and I don't think they will. They've now got a taste of finals for you. That's what means a lot to them. Well, and we were looking when we were when we were doing some preseason things, David. I, I wouldn't have thought we would be surprised if we saw Carlton. Look, looking back, we probably predicted Carlton to make a semi final, if not a preliminary final, on the back of how strong their list was. Um, it just happened happened to be that both GWS and and Carlton had extremely slow starts, but then they were able to work their way uh, back into the contest. And when you and again, you look at Carlton's list on paper; it's one of the one of the stronger lists, uh, one to twenty three in the whole whole entire competition, David. But they'll be they'll be better for it. Haven't had too much success when it comes to finals. Well, they hadn't made finals, David, for what was it twenty fourteen or or something similar to that. They hadn't made finals at um, least at least. Yeah, so it was something to that effect, but they've got big players all around the ground. Yes, there's been some criticism of, of Charlie Kernow, David, in recent days. A little bit warranted. It's probably a little bit overblown. He still kicked 80 goals, David, um, over 80 goals in the 2023 season. All the blame can't be uh, shouldered on him for sure. No, it can't, but he's the premium forward in the competition. He had eight touches and one goal one. Um, Joe Danaher, who's been much criticised, 14 touches and two, two guys won. There's sort of there's an example. You'd have been almost pleased if Charlie Cano had got those figures. Um, but look, good win to Brisbane, solid performance. Carlton not disgraced. We'll hear a lot more about them. And um, it leads us into what's going to be a fascinating weekend. But before we go to Saturday, 
Lucas, I cannot remember in my time, and I, and you know that I do spend, I spend a lot of time on our show talking about Brownlow medal votes. The ESP, even the ESP and Brownlow predictor got it dramatically wrong. And I mean dramatically wrong because I'm going to go and open that up now. But Lockie Neal wins his second Brownlow medal. Um, unbelievable, really. Bontempelli wasn't a surprise. Um, Errol Goulden uh, certainly wasn't a surprise, though he came home hard. But look, here's their Brownlow projector. Just to give you an indication of an ESPN, they had Bontempelli on 31, he got 30. They had Dacos on 30, he got 28. They had Petraka on 30, he got 26. Butters, 29 and a half, he got 27. And Neil came in fifth. So it's this game in round six, which in the um, predictor, he got no votes for and got 20 touches. Charlie Cameron had seven goals. And Kelly, and I think it was Canelio, might have got 79 touches between them, or maybe even Tom Green. There was 41 and 38. But I can't remember a more controversial Brownlow than this one, not for a long time. I, uh, even Lockie Neal was genuinely shocked. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, a, a bit of the same. And, we, and we've been um, we've been long thinking it would be a Bontempelli-Dacos top two. I remember going with Bontempelli in the preseason. But yeah, Neil, yeah. Neil probably would have... Neil, according to us, would have sort of been on the bottom end of the top five, uh, David. But it goes to show, um, and, and we all know, don't get us wrong, we, you had an extremely solid season. It was just more Bontempelli and Dacos probably to us. And we and we knew Dacos was going to fall away, obviously, in those back three or four rounds because he was injured and didn't play. But we probably would have thought that uh, Bontempelli would have won probably would have won it by about that two to three uh, vote margin, David, which Neil ended up getting over the line by. Well, two, yeah. Um, Neil and Bond and Pally both got three votes in the last round. Fascinating. The, the last round was amazing to watch. Um, look, he's just a superb footballer. Um, we were talking about this not a few weeks ago. He even himself said that he didn't have a great season. And yet he's won his second Brownlow medal. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve another medal, but, gee, that... that, that and I, I know there's been there's so much social media talk about it, and, people, and I've been involved in a little bit of it which may or may not have included our friend James Newburn, but uh, having a crack at Eddie, but that's James. But I know this giant social media lit up about that round six game, and the Giants have got just as passionate supporters as anyone. Um, just for mine, a couple of names you will hear with a medal around their neck. If their injuries stay away, these are people I would expect will win a Brownlow at some stage, at, if everything goes all right. Butters and Rosie, definitely from Port Adelaide. Sarong from Fremantle, who got 20... 20, mid-20s and was suspended. Sarong, definitely, with Fife at the end of his time and him being their best player. Uh, I do think that Errol Goulden... Errol Goulden was unbelievable, Lucas. He he went berserk in the last eight or nine rounds. He just did. And it's great to see someone who's a Maroubra Saint as a junior and a University of New South Wales Eastern Suburbs player do so well. Um, and you wonder... Uh, Petrakis' time's not gone and Dacos could be a multiple. Dacos could be. I, I really do think so. Um, but no, an amazing night. It really was. And just uh, when the winner of it is shocked, you get an understanding of where a lot of others were. Righto. Let's talk football. It's the grand final. It's this Saturday. Sold out MCG. Half past two. Daylight game. Red football. Very warm weather. 
25 in Melbourne, 35 in Sydney for the grand final on Sunday, which is, yeah, exactly. That's not nice. Um, okay. Teams haven't been named because uh, I'm flying tomorrow night. I'm actually coming down to Victoria. And I've got the passport out, which is good. Um, but we know that uh, Taylor Adams and Daniel McStay have been ruled out. Adams did the right thing by his club. Frampton going to come in here or who's going to come in? Yes, that, 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 that's that been confirmed. Um, was confirmed this afternoon by Craig McRae, David. I'd, I'd probably expect it's almost, obviously not a like-for-like replacement with McStay and Frampton, but I would still expect um, Frampton to play forward for the most part. And will he do a little bit of work in the ruck? No. Well, if they, if they, if, if they, need, if they need him to, because assuming you're going to name both Cameron and Cox, David, I think they do... They do the uh, lion's share of it. And I suppose it means that if Frampton goes back, they can do a bit of a, a Kevin Sheedy and, and move a half back in Jeremy Howe, move him forward slightly as well. I think that's an opportunity, especially if they a few marks. Um, so, yes, so I've just read the article on the AFL here. Sorry, I've had a very busy, busy day at work, including a medical this afternoon, which is lovely. Um, yes, so Fra- Frampton's in. So Frampton comes alive for the grand final. Um, righto, Louis. How do Collingwood win this game? What do they need to do? What are the keys to a Collingwood win? And then we'll go to Brisbane. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be particularly with McStay coming out now. And it's something they've done for the most part. It's, it's efficiency inside forward 50. I think I, I think once you, you, you can't allow... Harris Andrews to drift off third man across David and take intercept marks and then rebound uh, yep. going the other way. Uh, for Brisbane, there's talk too of Jack of, of Jack Payne coming back in. He hurt his ankle the last couple of weeks, but he's, he's firming to play. So that would um, potentially relegate Darcy Gardner uh, out of the side of who played his second, like third or fourth game for the season, David, in the prelims. So you ca- you, ca- you can't allow... Uh, Collingwood can't bomb bo- bomb the ball long inside forward fifty, David. It's got to be fair. It's got to be fairly direct. Yes, it can still kick um, balls out in front of it and allow and allow Meyer check and Mason Cox to leap to leap for marks, David. But you can't go uh, long long and high, much like we've seen Melbourne do, particularly in that uh, qualifying final now yes. three weeks ago. So you, you've got to go low and direct. Um, on on the Brisbane side of you, Brisbane side, David, I think they've got to. They'll continue to, and they'll have to win it out of the middle. Um, they've got such a strong uh, on-ball group, David. You've obviously got Neil in there. You've got uh, Hugh McClage through there. You've got Jared Berry. So they've got a number of options they can they can win through the middle there. It's got to be for them uh, one on stoppage. Um, Oscar McInerney is also going to cause concern for both Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox as well. So McInerney um, will be good too, and... You look at their side too, their tall forward line um, is going to cause concern, I would think, as well. I would think that Moore would get the Danaher matchup, um, which for me leaves Hitwood for, for Nathan Murphy, David, and what Maynard for Cameron. But then you've also got Zach Williams. Uh, sorry, Zach Williams. You've got Zach Bailey, and you've also. Um, Bailey and Cam Rayner, excuse me, who you can roll through there as well. So their forward line is going to cause matchup issues, David. And if it's going the way that we both think it will with Brisbane winning the ball out of the middle, 
Uh, Collingwood are going to have some issues if they move the ball inside the forward 50. Brisbane, that is, very quickly. And that's where I think this game... The pivotal thing is here is that I think in dry weather, Brisbane might have a slight advantage in the forward line. Um, I think Collingwood's halfback line is absolutely A-list. Um, I think the 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 decision that the correct decision for Maynard to not get suspended becomes very important now. It really does. I think I agree with you. I think that they'll put get Dugail get company company from um, Dunkley. Do you think there's anyone from Collingwood that might go to Neil? Well, it, it was it, it was tried David in that round twenty three match and it didn't work too well. They tried to. Look, look at uh, Tom Mitchell there around the stoppage, but I, I think Craig McRae would be one, and he said it on a few occasions in the past that would back his own systems, and but he's back, back his own systems in David. But I still think you'd be silly not to um, try and do a little bit of work into Neil. Would it be Mitchell? Because if it because if it isn't, it could potentially be Pendlebury David if he gets some time in the middle. And he'd do that unselfish role for Collingwood and getting to play. Uh a grand final right at the end of his career. Um, this is going to be a fascinating fixture. Um, Collingwood is a more even side. Brisbane's got some very good high-end talent. It's going to be fascinating. McInerney, who played brilliantly last week, he played almost like in a Max Gorn-like performance. He was that almost that good. Um, look, I think I think Brisbane are favourites. The betting line doesn't say that. I think, I'm, I think Brisbane will win by eight points. And the, the, the reason I'm saying that, is I think that one of the forwards from Brisbane, I don't think Collingwood can shut them all down. And, and that's what worries me. If it had been wet, I would have picked Collingwood by goals. But because it's going to be dry and warm, the weather will suit Brisbane. Um, and I just think they've got enough to get home this time. Collingwood is a much more even side than them. But there's so many things that someone's got to stand up and kick goals for Collingwood. If it's a game that's like 60 or 55, like the like that preliminary final score, Collingwood will get home. But if Brisbane score more than 75 points, I find it very hard to believe that Collingwood can get there. So for me, it's Brisbane by eight points. Yeah, I, I think the weather is actually going to play a large part because like we saw in the preliminary finals, David, I don't think it's... You wouldn't expect the early period of the game for a side to kick the first six, seven goals and then, and then keep playing their way on. I, th- I think there might be a f- I think there might be a few momentum shifts. Uh, the weather may actually break the game open in terms of in terms of the pace of play a bit quicker than maybe we think. Maybe it might normally might be maybe the middle of the third term. This might be the ten maybe the eight to twelve minute um, period of of the third term with the weather um, how it may pan out. But I. Of, co- of course, you you probably expect me to back Collingwood, David, and you're probably right. I just think... That's fair enough. And, and, and again, yes, Brisbane have won the last six games between these two sides, David. None of them have been played at the MCG. None of those last six. Which is um, absolutely remarkable, and it goes to show how stupid that decision was to play that game at Docklands, which was crazy. Um, and that's another factor, is that Brisbane don't play the MCG well. Well, well, they they don't play there well, David. I think they've lost fourteen of the last fifteen, but they don't play there often enough. Is it? Is when you boil down to it, um, is the is the plain and dry of it, and it 
and it's due to David, I, I spoke to you about this at this time when round 23 fixture between these two sides in, in the lead up, they tried to change that Fremantle game, David, where Collingwood played Fremantle, the MCG. They tried to swap those two uh, venues around um, because, of course, that Brisbane game was part of the uh, floating fixture, David, that got released in the back half of the season. So they tried to swap those two around. It was, it, it was uh, disallowed by the AFL. But I just think, and again, the, cra- the crowd, David, I think is going to play a part in this one. I'll go Collingwood by... Again, it's going to be about that one and a half to two goal mark. I'll go Collingwood by eight points, David. I'll also give you a Norm Smith, and I'll go Jack Crisp for the Norm Smith. That's brave. I'll go McCluggage. Okay. Because I don't think he'll get as much work as Neil. Um, look, make sure you watch. I think I think both grand finals this weekend will be fantastic, but I think this one could be anything. This could be a... Uh, the, the final series in the AFL has been superb entertainment. The thing I like the most, and I'm not, a, I am in this way, I'm a traditionalist. I love the fact it's on a Saturday afternoon with a red footy and sunlight. And for me, I think that's important. I know there's a, a, a Maguire makes a very convincing argument, as he does with a lot of his arguments, not all, but this one's right about the amount of revenue that can be created with a, an evening grand final. But I just really, and I know how successful the evening grand finals or the twilight grand finals were in Brisbane and in Perth, to be fair. But I like the fact it's back where it belongs. And I like the fact that it's been played at half past two in the afternoon when, and the game will finish in sunlight. Well, and, and that's right, David. With, with this, the players are at the best of the conditions. You're not going to have to deal with dew or anything like that um, in, a, in those twilight games too. And just to round it off, um, and I probably should have, I probably should have said this up the front when we um, were, were previewing this game. But, David, this is the first time since 2014 that sides one and two f- f- from the uh, end of season ladder have gone yeah. have gone off in the grand final. So it, it, when you look at it, it's well and truly the two best sides um, from the regular season that are playing off in the grand final. Yes, and at one stage you would have thought that Port Adelaide would have been in that mix, but they peaked too early. Um, Brisbane's got stronger and stronger. Collingwood's hung on. Collingwood's done well enough. They sometimes, for mine, play a bit a, 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 a better than the sum of their parts uh, at times. But they are even, and they've got a, and that they are fit and they're composed and they know how to win tight games. They've done it repeatedly over the last twenty-four months. So we just before we go, Callum Mills. This is a fascinating story. The Swans on a third day of a three-day bender, ladies and gentlemen. Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Mills gets in a wrestle, doesn't realise that he's crook. A few days later, goes and has a, has a look at the shoulder, and he's had a shoulder operation, Lucas. And he could be out for a long time. It's tragic news for the Sydney Footy Club and Cal Mills. Yeah, again, just doing a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, looking as well because it's been busy p- uh, period for me as well. But the the uh... The Swans released a statement, David, uh, yesterday. Executive General Manager of Football, Charlie Gardner. I'm just going straight from the statement here. Uh, Sydney Swans co-captain Callum Mills has on, undergone, and, there, and there's a kicker. He's the co-captain of the footy club, David. So uh, that uh, shows probably how poor the decision was. Has undergone post-season shoulder surgery. Mills suffered the injury during a post-season event and underwent surgery last week. The time frame for his recovery is still to be determined, but the surgery was successful and he's recovering well. Uh, so, look, well, that's that, that's the top three or four lines of the uh, statement, and I guess that's all you need to uh, work into that, David. Yeah, uh, 
Matt, uh, an incident uh, post-season for the Swans. And, yeah, your co-captain going down, who spent a large period of, the t- of this season to out injured. So, and and when the Swans are at the period they're at, David, that, that they're contending for finals, they made the finals, David. And yet you have one of your co-captains um, pull up with something like that. It's uh, it's hard to describe because it's um, something you might expected what, a generation ago, but not in this day and age when the sport is so professional, or 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 in, or, or in, a, in a country footy league. Yes, I, I, yeah. you know, I've seen it. I've actually seen it happen myself. So, I, I, but that's extraordinary. Brett Ratton's back to for Hawthorne. Lucas came out. Uh, great. That's a great result for Hawthorne. It's as simple as that. Yeah, um, well, back almost home of his coaching. Um, Dave Ratton spent a large period. Um, of, of time with with Hawthorne, David under Alistair Clarkson and and under Brennan Bolton as well. So he's been there for a period of time, of course, as caretaker for the large majority of this season. Um, David with North Melbourne spent what three or four years there with St Kilda, and then was what was uh, was let go not long after signing a contract extension, and then looking back even further was of course the senior coach at Carlton, uh, David for from between two thousand and seven to two thousand and twelve. Uh, a, a, a big get there for um, for Hawthorne, who've lost a couple of experienced players as well. Chris Newman, David, has left Hawthorne. It's almost a straight swap, really. Um, Newman leaving and going back to his his uh, playing club in Richmond to his former captain of Richmond. So, uh, But Brett Ratton's coming back, and it's actually an ahead of coaching performance and development role as the official title there for Ratton. Very proud to say that Adam Kingsley's been known as AFL Coach of the Year. Not much of a surprise. He's been superb. No one, not even ardent Giants fans like the person you're listening to, no one thought the Giants would make the eight. No one. I don't think yeah. there's anybody, any, any unbiased, proper football journalist, and I'm speaking with one at the moment, I don't think there's anyone that would have tipped the Giants to make the eight. Is that a fair statement? I think so, and I think realistically, realistically, you look at you look preseason, you think maybe what between they they weren't going to bottom out, they weren't going to finish eighteenth, but anywhere from what tenth, tenth to maybe fourteenth in that sort of the pack that were just sitting just outside the finals was probably what would you call that realistic preseason with Essendon and Adelaide and teams like that, uh, um, yep. possibly above Gold Coast, definitely above Hawthorne, North Melbourne, and West Coast, but yes, probably twelve to. 10, maybe 13 or, or to 10, something like that. But to get where they've got to a remarkable performance. Um, Lucas, I'm just reading off the top headlines on the uh, ESPN page. Obviously, not all Collingwood members can get tickets to the grand final. There's too many yep. members. We don't have a mm-hmm. stadium that's the same as the size of Michigan or the Penn State where there's 110,000. What's been the main outrage with Collingwood, uh, Collingwood fans and Collingwood members. Well, and, I, and I, yes, it's been that. Yes, it's been sort of labelled from Collingwood people, David, because yes, they're in the grand final, and yes, they're one of the one of the higher member clubs, um, David, in the competition. But I think it'd still be in the same scenario if a Richmond or if a Carlton were to make the grand final, David. And it's not to do with your, your maybe your interstate members and things like that. It's to do with your. What they they categorise as your legends members, David, where they're at the top of the echelon when it comes to money paid for memberships, David, having reserved seats um, for every home and away game, David, and, and priority access to tickets in the final series, and it's when those sort of people, David, um, have been in the ballot and they haven't been selected 
I think has been has been the main outcry there. Fair enough. North Melbourne getting priority picks. Don't think that's much of a surprise. Yeah, it's it's not, it's not a much of a surprise, David. But it has it's been cause of concern for some coaches that have come out of Chris Scott's been the main one, David. And again, they have to go back and do a little bit more reading there and and get the headline on it. But it's a from from what I understand and the little bit that I've read, it's been sort of one at the back end of the first round and and things like that for the for definitely this year. And of course, there was already a, a concession they had in this draft as well. So. And, and, and that's right. They've got the, their new picks are nineteen in twenty four and twenty three. Yeah, and and they'll get another one too this year, David. You'd expect um, with Ben Mackay nominating Essendon, so that uh, that that compensation pick it looks like it'll be pick three or four. So they'll 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 have a heavy hand, David, at the top end of the draft. But, but yeah, yes, they've got concessions and things, and a and a and a package from the AFL. But that's it's what. Other leagues around the world, particularly the NFL, do so well and have such a have such a well balanced um, well balanced league. And we've seen some results, um, which I don't want to look at from the last week, David. Where um, we've uh, we've seen sides blown out, but then the following week they can up, they can upset a, a Super Bowl contender. Mate, if, 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 honestly, can we just change topics for a second? Russell Wilson <laughs> was actually reasonable for Denver was on good. the weekend. He was okay. Twenty three. Uh, the completion's 300-odd yards, and Denver give up 70 in defence. That's like watching a, a Georgia play Northwestern. It's, it was a lot of college football against a lower-ranked side. It was crazy. I just don't understand. And Denver fans are very, very parochial. They'd have been filthy in Colorado. I imagine you were as well. That was a – sorry, that was a disgraceful defensive performance. Yeah, and I may have been one of those silly people that woke up at three o'clock in the morning, David, watched them score on the first series, turn it off, and go back to bed. But um, no, you, you give up seventy points, David. If if Miami kicks a field goal there, they've scored the most. They've scored the most points, David, in the Super Bowl era. So we all we all know how good that Miami um, offense will be. And and when you look at it, too, they were without, without Jalen Waddle as well, one of their great wide receivers. So. But we, but, but but we 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 knew how good Miami were going to be, but we still thought, and coming from a Broncos supporter too, you'd expect Denver's defense to still be in the top five of the league, David, coming into the year. Yeah, well, Miami's got their, their biggest test yet. They've got Buffalo in Buffalo this weekend. That's a monster. That's one of the biggest games of the weekend, in, inclusive of Thursday night football. Detroit and Green Bay at Lambeau. That's another massive game because that'll start setting things up in the black and blue division because they're the only two teams that can win the black and blue division. Forget Minnesota and forget Chicago. They're gone. Um, which is not easy to say, but it's accurate. Um, Louis, was there anything else you wanted to discuss tonight, my friend? There is. There is. Uh, th- there is. There's one thing, David, it was a senior coaching announcement um, for, in the AFL in the last week or two. Adam, finally, uh, Adam Uze has got a chance at the AFL level, David, uh, unveiled by Richmond. Um, in, in the last week or two, of course, when you look at Uzo's playing and coaching uh, pedigree, David, it's it's hard to see what it's. It isn't hard to see why he's been given the opportunity on the field, David. Two hundred and seventy-one games uh, for Melbourne. He won their two be- uh, thousand and one best and fairest. He was also named in the All Australian uh, team the following year. Uh, when it look when you come when it comes to coaching, David, he joined Hawthorne in twenty twelve. And was there for their uh, three peat between 2013 and 2015. 
Uh, also returned to Melbourne, David, in 2020. And it was part of, of course, Melbourne's 57, the, their drought-breaking 57-year uh, premiership there, David, in 2021. So he's had, he's been in the conversation, David, for what I would call four or five years up there with Robert Harvey and the like. Craig McRae was in that, was in that um, conversation for a large period of time too before he got the Collingwood job. Um, Michael Voss was as well. So he's been one of those... Uh, one of those new those names of the new breed of coaches, David, um, in that in his last half decade, and he's finally got the chance at a very proud and a, a football club driven by heritage and tradition. So it's going to be a big challenge for him. But he, he's got some not he's got some young talent there. Yes, of course, you've lost Revolt, you've lost Cotchin too, but you've got some nice young talent there, and they've got some recruits. <laughs> that, funnily enough, the Giants didn't miss in the back, back half of the season. Yeah, the way that Hopper played, they probably missed Taranto more. Uh, Hopper didn't have yep. a great first season. Taranto was unbelievable for Richmond and at one stage um, was being spoken about as a possible Brownlow medalist. Um, look, yeah, and Uze um, at, at one stage held the consecutive game or I think played 220 or 230 games in a row. Chris getting closer to him. But I think Steins holds the record and then Uze might be second or third along those lines, if my memory is correct. Uh, I love Jim Steins' family and I hope he's well up looking down upon us, the great man. Louis, thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating talking footy with you. We'll um, enjoy your football. Now, what are you up to this weekend? You going to the ground? Tell us what you're up to this weekend. Yeah, heading down, David, heading to Melbourne on Friday, <laughs> jumping on a 20 to 6 uh, a train there on Friday morning to get down for the parade. So looking forward oh, to that. Oh, gee, that, that, that'll um, worry you. I, I know a bit about that <laughs> myself. <laughs> no, but no, looking forward to that. Of course, tickets and that sold out, but hoping to get uh, to one of the numerous live sites around. If not, I know I, you can poke a stick out the amount of bars and pubs, David, in, 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 that, in that part of the city. So just looking forward to going down, soaking it up, and hopefully the uh, result goes the way that uh, 100,000 members, David, are hoping on Saturday afternoon. But regardless of the result, David, just extremely looking forward to the experience, being in the state, and then, of course, going to Melbourne as well, extremely just looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being in the state as well. Um, my old man's a Collingwood fan, so I'll be sticking it to him, especially if Brisbane get in front. And then I'll, I'll, I'll get a cheeky clip across the year, I'd imagine. Half past two on Saturday it's afternoon. So you're getting a clip across the year. It's not like you've heard that before. Um... <laughs> uh-huh. True. Uh, I'll, get, I'll get one. I'll get one. Um, Collingwood and Brisbane, half past two, Saturday afternoon. The magnificent Melbourne Cricket Ground. Make sure you're watching. It should be a fabulous game. Lucas has got Jack Crisp as his Norman Smith, and I've uh, nominated Hugh McCluggage. So we'll see how we go there. But we thank so much for your time. We'll catch up with you next week for our final podcast of the year. Will do. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. On behalf of Lucas, this is David. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.